Do you spend all of your time building and maintaining your business so that you achieve the success you envision? Do you feel frustrated, unfulfilled, and have a loss or disconnect from your creative flow? Are you a conscious leader that is ready for change when it comes to society's views on money, wealth, relationships, and what prosperity truly means? If so, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provoking Prosperity Podcast. I am your host, Miranda Mitchell. I am a 2-4 Manigen who is here to empower and equip you to step out of the box of social norms, guide you into using your voice for inspiration and impact, and support you in finding what prosperity means for you so that you have the business and life that fulfills you. So grab that cup of coffee, get comfy, and get ready to hear the heartwarming and heart-wrenching personal stories, all things human design and jinkies, plus tangible practices that you can implement right now for your personal and business growth. Hello, beautiful souls. It is Miranda here, and I'm so honored and excited and a little nervous to bring on one of my teachers that have made uh, a huge impact in my life recently. Some already starting. (laughs) So I want to introduce you to Melissa Pierce, who I'm going to have her share a little bit of her story about what she does, Touched by a Horse, and let her do that because I truly feel when it comes from the person themselves, the experience themselves, it's so much more impactful and in depth, more in depth than if I share it, even though I have a really close connection with my heart with this program. Thank you for having me on, Miranda. I've had horses all my life, so I am a horseman. And I had a very traditional upbringing with them and showed them at a world level and all of that kind of thing. But at one point, because I became a psychotherapist, I created my own method of working with them as my partners, as my healing partners. So that's the training that you're doing with me presently to become an equine gestaltist. And gestalt is a German word that basically means we're always flowing toward wholeness. We're flowing toward our fullness and our wholeness as people. And the process is very experiential. I think you never forget what you learn alongside a 1200 pound animal, you know, that stays in our brain and our heart and our cells. I could say a lot of things to you, but you never forget what my beautiful horses do with you and, and how that happens. And it's all deeply tied to our somatics or our body responses and our body energies that are going in there. So it's a very holistic approach and very applicable to a lot of different mental health situations that people bring to us. And it supports everybody because the way that the experience is given to the person to experience is through their own reflection, through their own experiences, through their own own traumas. So it is really open to everybody, which is something that I truly appreciate because it Mm -hmm. can come from all different realms of beliefs and limiting beliefs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's probably as diverse as we are as humans, which is saying a lot, right? We're all so individual and different. And every, what we call piece of work is uniquely tailored to that person. And it's also very coactive. So I always tell you all as students, we shouldn't have all the answers because I don't think anybody does have all the answers, right? It's everything in life is too complex. I believe every one of my clients has their own best answer inside of themselves, but they're unaware of it. It's outside of their consciousness. So this work 
allows every client to work through to their own truth, not my truth, not the truth, but their truth. And, uh, and the, the, the outcome is permanent. And I love that as well. They and don't it's quick. Later. It's quick. They don't have to come back a year later with another therapist and talk about all of it again, you know? So whatever they work on, it's a, it's a permanent change. And as a, we will be going to the human design aspect later, but you are a manifester. So of course you're going to like things done quickly. Yes. So it just ties in to everything that your energy is and you're bringing that out to the world. I do want to touch on, it takes a special person to be able to hold the space. So I would love for you to maybe discuss that or maybe first honor that in yourself. Because you are someone that can truly hold this space for everyone to feel safe in that moment as everything is occurring. And it takes a special person to be able to do that. And you actually guide all of us, all of the students, to be able to do that. So can you talk about that a little bit, holding this space? What's interesting that we're recording this right after the celebration of the completion of 15 years of the training program. My business has been open since the 1980s, but 15 years ago, I started the certification to train others to do my work. And one of the things that just sort of evolved out of our big summit this last weekend was we had this odd hour because one of the speakers got hurt by a horse and couldn't make it and stuff. And so I said, well, I'll answer questions. And instead, the microphone went around the arena to all different people, filling my heart with exactly what you just said, their transformation, how I hold that space for such a big group of people and a herd and all of that. Part of it is my um, temperament, my innate temperament that I was born with as a nurturer and a feeler and all of that. I think another part of it is that I believe that a non-judgmental, loving environment is the most healing thing for anything in the world. And that I never sit in a position of judgment because who am I to judge another person? I want to listen and remain open and learn. And do I see people sometimes that my brain says, well, that's just wrong. Yes, obviously, we're human, right? That isn't a good way to be. That's just wrong. But my brain goes immediately, my gestaltist in me goes immediately to, I wonder what happened to that person to cause them to frame that framework of anger or hatred or whatever it might be that they're dealing with in life. To me, they weren't born that way, you know, something. It's it's part of who we are. We don't say, what's wrong with you? We say, what happened to you? You know, what happened to you? Share it with me and let's take a look at it. Uh, There isn't any easy way to hold space. I also think I'm part horse. Horses hold space. I think I'm just, I've just become more and more like them over the years. Can you go into uh, more about the horse and how the horse's energetic field helps support this process? Absolutely. They they by nature affiliate with each other through energy, right? They govern each other. They protect each other. They relate to each other. They have incredible awarenesses of their whole herd family at all times. 
You know, if you see a stallion out, say, in the wild or with a herd, the stallion will always graze the ground all the way from his right hip back forward. Then he turns his head all the way to the left back forward while he's eating. He's watching 360 degrees around himself to make sure the herd is okay and safe and watching for smoke and predators and all kinds of things. So I think they have this amazing natural ability because they're on the prey side instead of the predator side. They're on the prey side to always be looking for where they are safe, where they are understood, where they are appreciated, where they're not in danger. You know, my dogs, they'll chum to food any day of the week. I can train my dog to do almost anything if I have a treat. But horses, that's not their jam. Their jam is security and safety and presence and holding space and kindness. They're very much in the present moment. I know for a fact that they're not out in the pasture today wondering about what happened last weekend at this big event, right? Or what I might be thinking we're going to do tomorrow. They're right here right now. So they have an amazing ability to do that. On top of that, because they do work in that ultra sensitive frequency and vibration with people, they can take a reading, if you will. It's the only word I've found for it. They can take an instantaneous reading of the human's energies. And the first thing they're looking for is, am I the horse safe in your energy field? You know, are you okay? If they feel like that's accurate, but maybe you're in pain or you're sad or you're having some sort of an emotion that they can assist you with, they want to do that. They really are eager to do an attunement, like an, a, an upliftment of, of people all the way around. If it's a physical ailment, they're fascinated with that. And some of them will do whatever they can do to assist with that as well. The sentence I tend to use the most is, they see that which is fractured within us and do everything they can to help it become whole which is gestalt again. They're kind of the natural gestaltists. I'm wondering why they do that for us when we've been so horrible to them. I, I thought, that's a good question. You know, yeah, in the millennia, you know, if we look in the millennia that horses have been with us, they have helped plow our fields. They've carried us to wars and they weren't their wars. They're not a warrior, but they carried us to wars, many human wars. They have, you know, driven loads. They were transportation. They've just had so many different roles with us. It's absolutely mind-blowing. But I do believe while the role, I'm not a person that's against riding. I love to trail ride. I also love in my trail riding to check in with the horse. They're my partner on that ride. Like, are you also having a good time? Are you ready to go back to the trailer? Because I might be. I think it's a, it's a partnership of respect. And I showed, like I said, for years and and until ego and greed gets into showing, it's a great thing to do. And there's just a lot of different things they do for us. But I do believe their prosperity with us right now, their real need and desire to prosper with us is in healing, is in how can I help those small human animals who are always in their brain, thinking, 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 thinking all the time full of anxiety, full of craziness. How can I, the horse, help them calm down and be in the world, right? So I, I do think they pity us some days. I'm pretty convinced on that one. 
You can look at their eyes and see how wise they are. That's the one thing that always drew me to them. And honestly, even drew me to this process with you was there had always been something with the way that I looked in their eyes. And some people actually are fearful of that. Like it's too deep. Don't look them in the eye. Yeah, you'll even hear horse trainers saying that. Not me, but you hear some of them doing that. I, I, I really believe that they, well, I, I think animals in general, that we can be the most egocentric animal because we think we're the top. You know, you'll hear human scientists and lecturers and people say, oh, no, we're the top animal. And I think if you're talking about mathematics, we probably are, you know, quantitatively, qualitative thinking. Absolutely. We can do comparisons. They don't, you know, do a comparison kind of thing. So we've got our area in which we are the brilliant one. But time will tell. I think Jane Goodall, Jack Cousteau, myself, a lot of people are here to differ that there is any one animal that is at the top, ourselves included. And Certainly, we're number one in damaging Mother Earth. We can, we've got that to our credit. But every animal species has its area that it's number one. That's the way I feel. I feel like my horses are way smarter than me in some areas. They're a much better athlete than humans are. They're, there's a lot of ways in which they're brighter than we are. But most humans do not see that. They see we're the top and all of their animals are beneath us. I don't hold it that way. I hold it that they have wisdom. We are only beginning to understand. We're only beginning to get it, right? I think that is also, well, it is your ego, like you said. And I think it even goes back to fear. where Mm. We're fearful that they may know something, so we can't look them in the eye because then yeah. they can, right? <laughs> I think so. And, and it's a really all animals have, I think, better senses than we do in certain areas. Like, it, it's only recently that people have said, okay, there's an IQ and there's an EQ. That's some kind of like, wow, we understand there's an emotional quotient good for us. There's so many other quotients of intelligence to be measured out there. And horses have a very unique one. And I think they're often able to see what we're doing to ourselves and feel empathy and sadness that we are doing that to ourselves and do everything we can to say, please be here in this moment. I I know when I've gone to the barn through the years and if I'm distracted by, I don't know, something going on in life, my daughter's illness, whatever it might be, I would not be fully present with them. They would always find a way to get me to be right there. If they had to stand on my foot, are you with me right now in this moment? Are you here? So that, and one of the things that we love about being with horses is it almost commands and demands that we give our full attention to them and to being with them and to being there. It's hard to also think about other parts of life. So we leave refreshed. We leave the barn going, Oh, I love being with my horse. Part of it is it makes us, it forces us to check into the present moment in order to be successful with them, to do anything with them, really. Yeah. And the present moment is truly when you get to heal and release and acknowledge all the things. You did mention briefly about your daughter, and I did want to 
touch on that because we all have a reason in life why we choose to want to share and heal and love and bring it out into the world. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure, sure. I have an absolutely beautiful son who's a professional athlete. He's a national champion mountain biker and has a huge team that mountain bikes all around the world. He's on the USA Cycling, you know, it's like a big, big deal. And eight and a half years after my son, Cody, I have my daughter, Molly. And Molly was born with a very rare disease that made her one of three in the world with it, where she was born without the ganglionic nerve cell to her intestinal tract. And there is a disease related to it called Hirschsprung's, but she had it one of three people in the world with it as severely as she did. They didn't expect her to live at all. We did an intervention which had never been done on infants before called total parental nutrition. She was the first infant in the United States on that. And she made it. She wanted to be here. She went on for 24 years of remarkable life, went on to get married and go to college. And she went to Paris and I mean, a lot of different things. But those 24 years, there was never, she didn't have a severe surgery, many, many trips to the ER. Uh, she had what's called a port in her body for 24 years. So really tough medically, very tough medically. And there was a mistake at the UCLA Transplant Center that ultimately cost her her two transplanted organs, a, an intestine and a kidney I had given her and cost her her life. So. She spent 285 days at the end of her life in the Nebraska Transplant Center, recovering from what UCLA had done, and she ultimately died. From her birth, she was always my greatest teacher, my greatest spiritual teacher, um, my greatest patience teacher, because she, kids that have that kind of chronic illness are tough, or they wouldn't make it, right? So she was always, always thinking, always a tough kid, uh, in a good way, strong kid. And yeah, our journey was unique and different. I have no regrets. It couldn't have gone any differently than it did. And people even asked her toward the end of her life, you know, if you could have, if you could have done it all again and be born healthy, of course you would want that. And she said, no, I wouldn't want that. I've had this journey, this particular journey and met the people that we met and had the experiences that we had because of my circumstance. So. She never had any regrets. Right to her last breath, she never had a regret. She wanted to stay, that's for sure. Definitely wanted to stay. And how do you feel like you learned and grew through that experience that was given to you with her? Well, I guess part of it is we really don't know what we're made of until we're facing something that involves our greatest fear. So before she was born, I would have told you my greatest fear was losing a child. That bar none, that was, I'm a big mama. And that was like, Ooh, I don't know how mothers make it through the loss of children. Through her, we came to the cutting knife edge of her death many, 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 many times. Like I had dress rehearsals for 24 years, um, which were all hard to do. And if already to know I didn't that waste any time worrying. One of the things she really taught me was that worry is the most unproductive way we can spend our life force. 
it doesn't change anything. It doesn't help anything. It doesn't any worrying. I'm fairly fearless because I faced my greatest fear. I learned a lot about what it means to courageously show up when others are in pain or I'm always the person that goes to somebody's deathbed because Man, we got to show up. And sometimes people say, I don't know what, what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be there. So I just won't go. And that's such a mistake when people are in pain or grief. They don't need advice, but they need us to show up. They need us to be there. And so, gosh, lots and lots of different lessons like that. And lots of soul lessons. You know, I believe her soul and mine danced this dance of her life. And when she left, now it's mine to carry on my life purpose and accidents. So she chose me. I chose her. Can we touch a bit on, you said you started about 15 years ago. And this energy, yes, this energy with Quine Gestalt and talking about health horses and their chakras and all of that. 15 years ago, that was not talked about. I actually started that a good 12 years before I did that. I was in the late 1990s. Yeah, no girl. The program officially started in 2008 when people said, could you train me to do what you do? And I wasn't sure I could, but I have. 278 certified practitioners worldwide. Before that, though, so gosh, 2008, so it would have been probably in 98 or so. I was at Equine Affair and Equine Extravaganza and all the big expos speaking about horses and chakras and their desire to heal. Uh, it, now, it was, what was the reaction from everybody and how did you intuitively know, like in your gut, that you knew this and this is something that you're bringing out? Eventually, some, they would catch, we would catch up oh, to you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's on it now. They're all claiming <laughs> No, I think like in 98, 99, that basically the horses had proven it to me. I had already been doing my method for at least a decade at that point. And I'd already had many, many, many clients that were transformed and changed. And so I witnessed what they were doing enough. And I felt like I really wanted to share this with people. I really wanted horsemen, no matter how they were partnering with their horses, I felt like you need to understand these incredible animals are clairsentient and they're taking a reading and they're doing a lot more with their body energy and they're reading your body energy a lot more. So I felt called to say all that. The first expo, some of these expos get at that time like 60,000 people. They're big, big expos. And I would offer to speak. They wanted me to speak. And I'd offer to speak on a few traditional things. And then I'd say, could I also do a demonstration on horses and chakras? And they go, horses and what? Horses and their energy fields? I guess so, right? And they would stick me, this is the truth, in some little arena behind where the horse trailers were being sold at the far end of the expo, right? Where people had to really hunt me down. They had to want to be there. So I would do my thing. And there were sometimes people who got got up and said, I don't get it and walked off. And I just had to not let that bother me and keep going. But there were more and more people 
each year they started started kind of moving me more, a little bit more toward the mainstream. I got a little better placement, you know, each year because people who went said, I want to hear her. I want to see her. Don't stick her out in the bones. We want to see her. And I had more and more people who said, I've wondered about this. I'm curious about this. How do I learn more about this? And it just started taking off about five or six years after I was publicly saying horses live in the moment. And, you know, a number of the key things that I was saying about energy fields and horses, I would go listen to some trainer and the trainer would say, you know, horses live in the moment. He had come over to listen to me a few times and then thought, well, that's pretty true. I'm going to put that in mind too. So, and then more and more people started kind of boom, you know, copying it and taking it out. But it was interesting in the beginning. I will say that it was interesting. Would you mind sharing with us? You mentioned horsemen, and I just want to say I'm not a horseman. So, this is also for people that are not horsemen. I will be, but yeah. coming into this, I was not. Could you say a little bit about? the program, who it's for, when the next opening is, how to get in touch with you. I will have all your information in the show notes, but just so that you can say and spread the word on who it's for, the invitation for those that are kind of asking, oh, I wonder if this could be for me or if this feels like I'm interested, how could I get information? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So I am looking for people, not that know everything. I'm looking for the person that says, I want to make a sincere difference in the world, in people's lives. I want to learn how to professionally sit in the presence of pain and be able to make a difference for the person, not just be a good listener, but way beyond that, actually transform them and help them drop their pain in the sand. And most of our students are people who say, I could do that alongside a horse. Boy, I'd be happy. That was my business working with my courses in that way and understanding what they're all about and what they're showing us and how to do that, I'd be really happy. So we have a few people who are already in the mental health field that join us, psychotherapists, et cetera. The majority do not have any mental health training on board at all. What they have is a huge heart and a desire. They just know they want to do some of our students are horsemen. They're trainers and they really understand horses, but they learn horses in a really different way from me. Most of them go and apologize to the horse after the first in meeting, but it's certainly not required. They don't have to have a horse, a farm, or anything else in order to come into the program and learn all that we teach them. Some people have never been successful in business for themselves. We teach all the business entrepreneurship and how to get started in it. That's why it's a two-year program because it's so comprehensive. There's so much in it. Our next class starts January 8th of 2024. We are taking contracts now and we're doing webinars about once a month, giving a lot of information about it. But the easiest way is to go to our website, touchedbyahorse.com. Get the name of my company from an old CBS show, Touched by an Angel. The horses are my angels, so it's touchedbyahorse.com. And on there, it, it'll tell you how you can get an application, how you can get a handbook, you know, how you can meet me, all of it. So you can do all of it through our website. Thank you. Yeah. I want to share to everybody that if you choose to reach out and if you choose to dive into this, it will change your life. I really thought I had done a lot of my work. 
And I didn't go into the anger aspect, which I want to thank you so much because I fully did not realize I was angry. I believed that I had, that I was okay. And now I realize it was all of my, all of my things I had in place to keep my anger at bay. Yeah. But it wasn't released. Right. And I appreciate you so much in supporting me and actually letting that anger out and releasing the voice. So it is nothing like you'll ever experience. Nothing like you'll ever experience. And to be able to hold that space for people really creates a huge shift in their lives, the people that they're with, humanity as a whole. So if you're wanting to help the collective, this is a huge way. So even if you're just kind of like, oh, I like courses or, oh, this kind of sounds interesting, just go check it out. Look up the website, watch whatever's on there, connect with Melissa if you can. And And they can also find a practitioner near them if they're interested in that. There's a find a practitioner. We have graduates and certified practitioners all over the country. So they can find somebody to go get a session and see how it works for them. That'll be me in two years. (laughs) A year and a half. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you and I thank you for your time. I know you've been very busy, a lot of things going on. Is there anything else that you want to share before we close? Thank you very much for everything. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. My hope is that you walked away with something today that has opened your mind, your heart, or both. Listening to new perspectives not only help you grow and expand, but it helps humanity as a whole. So if you have someone that you feel would benefit from this podcast and you feel that you want to share, please do. Also, would love to connect with you on Instagram. So please follow me at Miranda J. Mitchell. One last thing, if this episode left you with any ahas and insights, take 30 seconds of your time and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way I know you are loving the content and connection in this space. And if you want to know more or wondering how we can work together, please go to Miranda-Mitchell.com. Click on the contact in the menu and send me a message. Sending you all love. Till next time.